Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Well, last week we talked about what spirituality is not. And I encourage you that if you've not, um, if you weren't here last week, I, I encourage you to go to our website. We post our, our sermons online. You're welcome to go there anytime, valleychurch.us, and you, can, and you can find out about all of that. Uh, past sermons up to a couple of years, we, we have them posted there, archived. And uh, but last week I talked about that. And um, so we learned what spirituality is not. I talked about the three counterfeits, legalism, asceticism, legalism being trying to earn favor from God, asceticism, suffering in such a way as we, we earn favor from God, and then <clears throat> uh, hyper-spirituality, and how sometimes we can be kind of fooled into thinking that, um, that we're not loved of God, or we're not, we're not close to God unless we're having these deep spiritual moments. And even though spirituality is a very powerful and important part of a relationship with God, it is not always the indicator. Matter of fact, <clears throat> whether we, are, we feel spiritual or whether we don't feel spiritual, it doesn't change what is true about what God has said about us. It doesn't change the doctrinal, theological truths that are so important for us to walk in by faith. And so <clears throat> today I want to share a Bible story that's going to illustrate this. And it's really key for us to understand. And so, you know, our story, in, in, in what I'm going to read to you today, and to be honest with you, after as many years as I've been preaching, and, and it's been quite a few, that I've never actually preached from this section of Scripture. And so as I've been going through, and I've studied the book of Acts so many times, I've done papers on it, I've, uh, you know, have studied it, have worked through it many, many times, but I've never preached on this particular section of Scripture, which is amazing. And what we find here in the historical background <clears throat> of what is taking place leading up to Philip is that we find the church is growing quickly. Peter preaches, 3,000 come to Christ in one day. The church is, is formed overnight. So you can imagine the incredible uh, administrative, you know, structural challenges that that would provide, especially when the church is persecuted, especially when the church is filling up with the poor and the needy and the struggling and so the church, you know, the, the disciples had to respond. And so, of course, they get filled with the Holy Spirit and everything just starts clicking. And so as they see the needs of widows that are growing among, there would have been a large amount of widows during that time with, because of, you know, the life expectancy not being as long and, of course, persecution, people being jailed for their faith, all kinds of things taking place during this time. And so they said, look, we need to choose some men who can help us. They say wait on tables. They, they say um, to take care of the practical needs of the church. So they choose seven men to organize ministry to the growing number of widows from that dramatic expansion. The apostles chose a mixture of Hellenistic or Greek uh, cultural Jews and Judean Jews or Jews who were from that area around Jerusalem and extended areas, so that they might represent the widows from similar cultural backgrounds, thus avoiding the accusation of prejudice. Because there was some problem. He's like, hey, look, these widows seem to be getting more than these widows. What's going on? 
Of course, it never wasn't their intention, but they thought, you know, maybe it would be a good idea if we select seven men to help us take care of these needs in equal measure. So what we, they're, they're are, they are the precursors to what we at Valley call deacons. And, but I want you to notice that they are very different in scope and heart and gifting because it's going to birth this guy. So I'm going to read from Acts chapter 6, 3 through 6. It says, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility <clears throat> of caring for the widows over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So they begin to realize, look, we, you know, we were selected, we were chosen, we've, we're supposed to be guarding over the, you know, the, the overall governmental structure of this growing church, and so we need men who will be taking care of the practical needs. So they say, let's do that. This proposal pleased the whole group. So everybody's like, that's a good idea. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, they also choose a guy named Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, or Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So you'll, you'll find is that there are Jewish names and Greek names in there. So these are a collection of men from different cultural backgrounds uh, as the church has grown. So very wise, very wise indeed to do that. But I want to focus on this guy named Philip. He's one of the deacons, and he has a particular hunger and a heart for evangelism. And I want to point this out here today. So let's read about Philip and what goes on in his life. Of course, we know about Stephen. Stephen, of course, is a man full of faith, and he goes on to be a legend. Matter of fact, he ends up dying for his faith. He's one of the first martyrs, if you will. And he goes on to create, as a result of that, a great persecution breaks out in the church. And so the church begins to scatter which is not a bad thing, because in the end, the gospel goes with it. So Philip, then, as a result of that, is on the move. And he goes out, and not only is he a deacon, but he has a special heart for souls. And the reason why I'm pointing this out here today, to just give so you understand why we're doing this, Keith, do you want your notes back? I don't know if you lost them. Oh, he's, got, he's, he's being called on. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 8 and give you this story. So this is kind of the back, background of what is taking place. So Philip is on the move as a result of persecution. He's been, he's been, hands have been laid on him because there's something they see in him and recognize about his spirit, about his soul. And so now here it is, Acts 8, 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, oh, notice who's talking to him, okay? An angel of the Lord speaks to Philip. You don't hear that every day. Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So we have an angel who's not just saying, hey, go forth and, and, and do something awesome. He tells him specifically what to do. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. So we have a very important uh, individual here. He's probably African, black in color, and he is sitting there. Now check this out. He's got the book of Isaiah open, and he's reading in his chariot. 
And it says, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now, why would, why would an Ethiopian eunuch, of course, a man who has been, he's, he's in charge to hang out with, with the queen, but not have any ability to ever assault her in any way for physical reasons. But he's reading the book of Isaiah, and he's come down to Jerusalem for a reason. What does that tell us? We can, a bit behind the story, he's a convert to Judaism. He's an African, but he has been proselytized. He's, he's come to know God from a Jewish standpoint. How he got to know that, it's very difficult to know. But we know he's hungry to hear about God. He's, he's been introduced to Judaism. So he's reading the prophet Isaiah, isn't he? Interesting. So, moving on here. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And he looks to Philip, and, and, and Philip, I'm sorry, and Philip asks him, because he's standing nearby, he recognizes he's reading it, do you understand what you're reading? How can, I, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Interesting. That that's the very passage of scripture that this eunuch, this Ethiopian eunuch is reading at that very moment. So the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? How would he know he needs to be baptized? Because Philip obviously took that moment to share everything. He, he's led by the Spirit. He's led to a moment that is, is divinely appointed. He looks at the opportunity, and he, he's ready to go, preaches the gospel to this, to this man. And the man, who's so full of excitement and hunger, says, wow, there's some water right there. Go ahead and baptize me. He certainly just said, hey, man, did you not hear what just took place in Jerusalem? Over 3,000 people from all over the world have given their lives to Christ. How did you miss that? And he's like, well, I don't have to miss it now. There's water. Why don't you baptize me right now? So he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The first instance of translation in Scripture, which is, or well, not in Scripture, but in the New Testament anyway. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, this is really an incredible story. It almost is one of those things that it's a child story. And I'm sure children hear about this story all the time. And they probably sing songs about Philip. You know, Philip, he got snatched up by an angel. You know, I don't know. But the bottom line is, this happened. And when you think about that, it's awesome in its scope when we think in terms of being spiritual. And that's what I want to point out here today. 
I, you know, we talk about spirituality, and I think sometimes we miss the mark so many times because we're focusing so much on bettering ourselves when we really need to be fo- uh, thinking and focusing on what is true spirituality. What does the Bible show should happen to Christians when they get a heart for him? And I just love this story because I think what we have here is the anatomy of making a spiritual person. I mean, it's just all here. So how does one become spiritual? You know, obviously Jesus is true to his word. He says, look, don't leave Jerusalem because I got a mission for you. You're supposed to go out and share the gospel to all the nations of the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, right? We know that's what it says. Then Jesus says, oh, by the way, don't leave Jerusalem. I got a special gift for you coming. It's going to come if you will just wait, and you will know. How will we know what's happening? Oh, you most certainly will know when it comes. Sure enough, it does. Day of Pentecost, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. They come pouring out into the street, speaking in other tongues, praising God. The the Jews from all over the world hear them, understand it, see what's going on. They give themselves to Christ. Boom. Because Jesus said, look, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. They start to see this happen. And they never even thought that, wow, this would begin with the uttermost parts of the world coming to them. Incredible stuff. So now, it happens. He's true to his word. They get baptized. The infilling of the Holy Spirit gives them. And the rest of the book book of Acts is all about that happening and seeing what happens when a Christian gets full of the Holy Spirit. What happens? So there's three things. No, five, sorry. Five things that I believe we can see in this section of Scripture I want to take apart that will help us. If you want to take those steps, if you want to become the kind of Christian, if you hunger for spirituality, which I know you do, I do, we, we, we hunger for a genuineness. If, we want, if last week you heard that message and you said, yuck, yeah, man, I do not want to be trapped in legalism. No way do I want to have to be a slave to asceticism, beating my body into submission, thinking that I'm spiritual only when I'm in pain and suffering. No way. Or to buy into this hyper-spirituality when, when, when we know it's not the real thing. That when did it all get stirred up and people jumping around and there's a lot of excitement, but you go out the door and man, it's just like... Pfft. Nothing spiritual ever happens again. If o- the only spirituality you ever experiences, experience is within these four walls, I'm telling you, you're not getting there. You're not getting there. Because that's not what the Bible shows us. What we see with Philip is they recognize that. They laid hands on him. And then when the persecution comes, they don't just all moan and groan and hang out in Jerusalem. They go. They go do what Jesus told them to do which is amazing. So, five steps, I believe, to becoming spiritual that we can see in this story. Number one, we have to aspire to be a person who's recognized as full of faith, wisdom, and the Holy Spirit. See your path and stick to it. It starts with an aspiration, a desire. These seven men just didn't get snatched as they were walking by the building. Okay, They didn't just walk up to them and say, hey, come here, you're going to become a deacon. What? I don't want to be a deacon. Uh, Shut up, man, you're going to be a deacon. No, 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 no. 
there was definitely, they looked around and said, who's here? Who's available? Who's faithful? Who's been listening to the teaching? Who was, who was up in the upper room waiting to get baptized in the, the Holy Spirit? Who were the hungry ones? And they saw these seven men all standing there, eager, hearts full of fire, desire. There was an aspiration about their life. Because they, and, and, and how do we know that they were people that were qualified? Well, it tells us exactly what they were looking for. It says that they were men of, full of faith. They had a faith in Christ. That had, they had a faith that was admirable. They had a faith, they had something about their life that they said, man, I like hanging around this guy because he believes in Jesus. He talks about Jesus. He, he's, 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 he, he talks about Jesus in a positive way. It's not this, oh man, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. No, man, the kingdom is advancing and I'm here to be a part of it. Jesus lives inside my heart. So they said, man, this guy is full of faith. He believes. Then, what else did they see in, 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 in him? Wisdom. Wisdom. Now, wisdom doesn't mean that you're you know, Solomon's son. It just means that you've grown, that, that you understand, that you take it all in, that you have this amazing amount of faith. I think it's awesome that they actually put these two things together because, in my opinion, faith and wisdom are two sides of the coin. They seem to contradict because faith doesn't always call for wisdom. You notice that? <laughs> Sometimes faith says, jump in the pool when there's no water in it. And God says, well, I'll give you, the, the water will be there when you hit it. What? I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And there's many times when I want you to go speak to that person. So these are an incredible combination that sets up our experience for Philip. We'll see that in a second. So wisdom on the other side. What is wisdom? Wisdom, man, a careful analysis, an understanding of what the Spirit of God is doing. Because, see, faith without wisdom can become something that's kind of scary. And you can do things like jump into the pool. Well, I didn't tell you that pool, you know. And I didn't tell you right now to jump. I told you to wait, and I would show you. There's a reliance. Wisdom says, I believe that God can do anything. Wisdom says, but I'm going to wait for him to tell me when to do it. Philip's got this stuff. Matter of fact, all seven of this, these men have this stuff. But what, Philip's the guy we're focusing on, and you can see it as it all plays out in the story. And full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. So, obviously, he was there on that day. He was there when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And maybe he wasn't. But at some point after that, they said, man, have you not heard? God has given us power. Have you not heard that as a believer, you don't have to walk around with the handsaw? He's got a power saw ready for you. I mean, you can sit there and hack away the tree all you want. Of course, some of us just try, try to use our hands. How do I tear this tree down? And God is the whole time saying, look, I've given you these power tools. You get filled up with the Holy Spirit. Now things happen. And so they recognize and say, look, we can't have guys that are not full of faith. We've got to have guys that are full of wisdom. We've got to have guys who are men filled with the Holy Spirit. So Philip has got these things. They've been recognized. He's got them in abundance. So that's the first thing I want to point out is there's an aspiration that I think is important for every Christian. If you are hungry for a spiritual life, 
aspire to it, okay? Don't try to manufacture it. Hunger for it, and there's nothing wrong with hungering for a spiritual life. So that's good. But what joins that hunger are these qualities, two of which are character qualities that I think are critical, faith and wisdom, and of course being full of the Holy Spirit. If a person is a thief, if a person is a liar, if a person has major character issues of being bitter and angry and manipulative, they're not going to be full of the Holy Spirit. If you're hungry to be spiritual and you've got those issues and you ask the Holy Spirit to fish, uh, fill you, then most certainly the Holy Spirit's going to go to work on those areas that might hinder that. Only makes sense, doesn't it? As we ask, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? He goes, I'd love to, but we need to deal with this. Yes, sir. Okay, sounds good. Let's get going. Aspiration, important. Number two, <clears throat> got to develop our ability to hear from God by the Holy Spirit. Once we get full of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> we got to learn to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. We got to learn how to hear his voice and to flow and obey that voice. Okay? So again, we're talking about spirituality here, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is dangle the carrot in front of you and that you just keep coming a little closer. Come on, come on in. The water's fine. Next thing you've got to do is you've got to be able to hear the voice of God. And so many Christians, I think, are intimidated by that. And to me, those are baby steps. To me, being able to hear the voice of God and to respond to the voice of God is so absolutely critical to your walk. And so not to, to hurt your feelings or to shame you or to do anything. I want to create a hunger inside you. If you're not listening and you can't recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, then you need to ask God to help you do that. So here's Philip. His story begins with, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road. Now, I got to tell you, that's advanced following God right there. That's following God 401. To be to the point where you're so sensitive to God, so ready to do what God wants you to do, that God would send an angel to say, we've got a critical, huge moment getting ready to take place here, Philip, and you need to hear it, you need to follow. So the angel goes and says, go to the desert road, the one that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. There is no pause. There is no Moses moment. Are you sure? Am I the right guy? And I can't, is there anybody else who can do it? Not, not at all. You just see Philip just saying, yep, yes, sir. Here we go. There is not even a pause. We talk about spirituality. Being able to hear and obey the voice of the Lord, so critical, so that we're ready to go and, and be ushered into this moment. So Philip hears this angel, which I think is incredible. He hears this angel and whether he appears to him or not, which I believe he probably does, these are, these are pregnant moments. The, in, in church history, the, 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 the spirit world has been turned upside down. The son of the living God has been walking on, for the earth, on the earth for three years and 40 days. And things are just kind of tossed into the air. People are hungry, and yet the devil is trying his hardest to try to destroy the church, try to discourage. They killed one of the deacons, murdered him, stoned him to death. And the church is in such flux, it's amazing. And so it's, it, it, there's such a, a critical time for the church for people to be hearing the voice of God without question. Thirdly, 
to become spiritual, to, to get into this moment, to, to follow Philip's path. Because, I mean, we shouldn't look at Philip's story and stand away and say, oh, let's create a St. Philip. Let's create a, 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 you know, a worship place, um, a shrine, exactly, thank you, and worship you know, Philip himself, which I think humans are so apt to do. No, no, we need to see that Philip is just like you and me. Philip is just an ordinary guy who is just hanging out with the bunch and who just takes it very seriously, just says, well, man, I saw Jesus. I saw what he did in the square. I saw how he healed. He may have even healed somebody in his family. We don't know. And so he's full of faith. And then it says he's got this incredible wisdom that he's grown. Where do you think he got that wisdom? From the Holy Spirit. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit, by the way. So they know he's functioning in these things. He has this ability to hear from the voice of God. It's incredible. But again, not so incredible that we can't think in terms of someone, everyone, any individual being able to have that opportunity. Number three, we've got to read God's word. Okay? It always comes back to that. But the Bible is so critical because having, you know, being a person, faith, wisdom, and being full of the Holy Spirit, being a person who can hear the voice of God is not always enough because sometimes we can hear different things. We can hear two other voices that will occasionally come our way. One is our own wishful thinking, you know, our tendency toward hyper-spirituality to try to manufacture the moment. You've got to watch out for that. And then the second one is the enemy himself who would try to distract us and try to bend, divert. He doesn't always just throw a, a completely demonic thing at us. Sometimes he just throws a counterfeit. Sometimes he gets us to move too quickly. You know, it's kind of like the starting line in a race. You know, in order for you to, to run the race legally, officially, you got to go when the gun goes off, right? There are so many times when the enemy would get us to jump and go too soon. And so we miss the moment because... We weren't listening. We weren't sensitive. And how do we grow in that sensitivity? Man, keeping in the word of God helps to balance spirituality with the written word of God, the words of Jesus Christ, the words of God in the Psalms and Proverbs, the character of God that is, that is displayed in narrative story form throughout the Old Testament. We begin to understand the whole Old Testament is just Christ concealed, and then the New Testament is him revealed. And, and so really, sometimes you've got to be careful of that for you Bible readers. Don't spend all your time in the Old Testament, okay? That's, that's like spending your time in the kitchen and reading about food. You know, it's just there, you're in there reading all the ingredients. Oh, one cup of sugar, can you imagine what a one cup of sugar was going to be like in that bread? Angie's over there saying, no, no sugar. Don't put that stuff in there. Yeah, I just swept over and saw Angie's like, no, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, how about one cup of avocado, Angie? Mm. And you just sit there and, you, and if you spend all your time just looking at the ingredients, that's what being in the Old Testament all the time is. You're just, dream, just thinking about what could be. Man, get to the New Testament. Well, you, now you begin to see how it was all put together in this wonderful salad or bread or, or main course that we can consume anytime. 
because it's all made real. It's all put together in Jesus Christ himself. And you can have access to who he is intimately by, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, there is no separation between us and God. God can't get any closer to Christians. No closer than to indwell you. Can you get any closer than being inside? I don't think so. I don't think so. How do we find this out? From reading the Bible. So sometimes when we drift to this old school, well, I need a sacrifice. I need to do this. I need to do, I need, I need it. Uh-uh, uh-uh. There is none of that delay when it comes to Philip. Philip just hears the angel, which is directed, of course, by God, the Holy Spirit. And boom, he's on it. He's in it. He's moving forward. He's aware of the scripture because he walks up, so he obeys, he obeys God. God says, well, go stand, go stand by him. I'll tell you what, if you were a person who's very ambitious, you might want to just say, well, I'm not just going to stand by him. I'm going to go ahead and go up and talk to him. Hey, what are you doing? Ethiopian might have been like, I'm reading here. Would you just go away? Hey, servant, kill him. Please kill him now. We know that this guy is from the, the palace. Got probably a bunch of sermon, uh, servants running around that chariot. Be careful, Philip. Requires what? Wisdom. And an actual, literal, obeying the very voice of God. Just go stand nearby. So he does it. He just Works his way in there, do, 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 do. He over, overhears him reading what? The Bible. If Philip wasn't aware what, that what he was reading, right, that'd be kind of an embarrassing situation. He was reading the Bible, and the Holy Spirit says, go. What do I do? He's reading the Bible. It's time for you to act on it. But I, I have no idea what that says. I don't know what it means. Oh, I picked the wrong guy for this journey awareness of the, what the Bible says. So Philip, man, he's read up, isn't he? He knows his book of Isaiah. He's just sitting, nearby, sitting right by him. He hears him talking and reading the book of Isaiah out loud. So Philip is ready to go, knows his Bible. He's got an awareness that goes beyond just listening to the voice of God. So the Holy Spirit reveals to him the prophetic connection, the point at which now the gospel can be preached. I love the fact that God, loves, God uses the word of God to create a spiritual opportunity. So it's not only that does Philip know the word of God, but this man is reading it, and God is using the very words of God to be this moment that can create a spiritual moment. You guys following me on this? I think this is so incredibly cool. As I was reading, I was going, gosh, Lord, man, this is so neat that you're laying this all out for us that we see how important it is, the scripture is, in creating a spiritual moment, in creating a divine moment, creating an opportunity for the gospel to just slide right in. Here we have a man who's a God seeker, but has absolute, I mean, he's going to hell without Christ. He's a man who thinks he's spiritual, but he's not, not really. But the Holy Spirit is at work drawing, drawing, drawing this man. And now is his chance. Actually, there's two parts of the story, isn't it? God's great love for the Ethiopian to say, You're go I'm going to use you in a mighty way, a Joseph, if you will, in the household of the, the, the queen of Ethiopia. And, and I will say this, to, to stick this in for his, history, do you know the Ethiopian church 
actually grew tremendously after this time. Not much historical coverage of it. Ended up becoming Coptic Christians, that's it. The Coptic Christians there in North Africa, Philip. Isn't that the coolest thing you've ever heard? Changed the world as a result of this one time. Of course, the Coptic Christians have since wandered way away from the true gospel, but in the beginning, the gospel was presented. Okay, so the word of God. Fourthly, you've got to seize the moment. To create a spiritual opportunity, aspire to be a person full of way, full of faith, wisdom, and the Holy Spirit. Next, develop your ability to hear the voice of God. Thirdly, read God's word. Be aware of it. Know that it's not, it's, it's not a static book. It's a book God wants to use to bring forth the gospel. They're going to, he's going to use it as a tool to change the world around you. Be ready, instant, in season, and out. And how do you get there? By being aware of the scripture. Fourthly, seize the moment, right? Seize it. Recognize God's orchestration. What a wonderful setup. So Philip has obeyed God. He's aware of the scripture. He's, he's aspired to following God, so that's why he's where he, where he is in the first place. And now he's standing right next to a chariot where a man is reading the Bible. So he seizes the moment. He doesn't just go on and play dumb and say, I, I, God, please show me more. You don't need to know any more. It's pretty obvious what's going on here. So he stands there, man is reading. And he just casually goes over and says to him, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I? This is, perfect. this is deep stuff. And for the person who does not have a connection to Jesus Christ, that's all it is. It's just deep stuff. It just gives you the warm and fuzzy goosebumps. But there was a practical... <laughs> so Philip was ready by the Spirit of God to show him what this whole Scripture was even talking about. Not only tells him what it meant then, he tells him what it meant three days ago and what was taking place in Jerusalem that very time. So he tells him. He says, how can I know? He goes, well... Have you not heard? And the guy says, hmm, I recognize something about you. Come up in my chariot. Let's sit and talk a while. So now we have Philip, who's probably just a poor, who knows what he is. We don't know much about Philip's life, but I guarantee you he wasn't born in any nobility. I guarantee you he was just a, a simple, common man who's now sitting next to a prince. The supernatural, being willing to wait on God, follow him, has put him in a divine moment where now he says, so tell me, what is he talking about? Brother, let me tell you. Over the last three years, the world has been shaken because the Son of God was revealed. Isaiah was talking about the man who was just murdered not long ago in Jerusalem. You probably heard about that. Yeah, I did, I did hear about this name. What was his name again? Jesus. That's him. He is the embodiment of who you are reading about right now. He is the Messiah. And he rose from the dead. And I witnessed it with my own eyes. And that I, Ethiopian, my, <laughs> he was thinking, oh my goodness. God has come to me and revealed his heart to me through this man. Talk about a spiritual moment. They don't get any more spiritual. But I will, a couple of things I wanted you to, to, to see in this spiritual moment is that so many wonderful things are taking place. Can you imagine how, Ethi, the, how Philip was feeling at that moment? Do you think, I mean, can you imagine the cloud he is on, cloud 9, 10, 11? 
Because he just simply listened to the voice of God. He just simply was a man who just allowed God to come into his life. And now he's been ushered into a divine opportunity to further and advance the kingdom of God through simple obedience. I mean, I'll tell you what, that'll change your devotions forever. I mean, Philip talked about that. It ended up in the New Testament. How they find out, there's no witnesses there. How they find out? Philip came back and reported. The Ethiopian confirmed it. Because he ends up giving his life to Christ, goes away rejoicing. Not to mention the fact that from that point on, Philip, man, he doesn't seem to need road transportation anymore. Talk about a guy who's spiritual. So seize the moment. Look at that divine opportunity. Let me take it home for us. Folks, we live in this world. And sometimes it's a mundane world. Sometimes it's a confusing world. It's like living in a shadow land sometimes or in a fog. And we get up and we read our Bible and we, we're just saying, God, please make sense of this thing because I hear in the news this and there are people out, you know, picketing that and I see this going on and I see that going on and I, I see that the love of most people has grown cold and I don't want to get caught up in there because if you do, you're never going to have any spiritual moments over there. No, 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 no. It's going to be full of flesh. It's going to be full of struggle. It's going to be full of disappointment and just when we all get up yonder songs. Pure and simple. But if you avoid all that and just say, no, 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 I'm here for a reason. I have a divine, there's a divine calling on my life to be salt and light, to, to push past all of that, to not focus on the fog or the shadow, but to get my life and to become salt and light, to get beyond all that. To, when you walk through those doors, get ready for a ride. Get ready for a ride. So I want to whet your appetite to that. You might just say, well, I could never be a Philip. You could never be further from the truth. You absolutely can, anytime, anywhere. There are people every single day, every single day, that are coming home from work, that are walking in the streets, that are in the line in the, at the food line or Walmart, that are walking out there, they're playing in the playground with their heads buried in, in, in smartphones. Every single moment, there are hearts going up, crying out to God saying, would you please make sense of my life because I don't understand it. I don't understand why I seem to always get the bad end of the deal. They're on the phone with their ex-husband trying to figure out what's going on there. They're living in a, a living nightmare, many of them. And they have these flare prayers that go up every once in a while. And just like this Ethiopian, they're crying out and saying, I don't understand. And it's true, isn't it? You know exactly what I'm talking about. And God is looking for someone who will say, here, Lord, send me. And it's interesting that book of Isaiah is using because that's as Isaiah was the one who when he saw that prophetic vision, it said, well, I don't know if anybody else is going to do this, but I'll, I'll do it. Same spirit. And so that's what God is looking for right now is people who are not trying to manufacture spirituality, not trying to feel good about themselves, trying to do religious things in order to create this yucky nastiness. God wants us to change the world, and that is what is true spirituality. True spirituality is Philip coming back and saying, you're never going to believe what happened to me today. You guys ever heard, heard about the, the queen of Sheba? You know, have you ever heard of queen of Ethiopia? 
Yeah, man, she was just through here. And in the entourage, took him an hour to get him through the city. Yeah, we know about her. Well, her number one eunuch, her servant, just gave his life to Christ. Can you imagine the, the gathering of the Christians on that day, how the shout went up? They're going, whoa, hallelujah. The gospel is going forward. Three cheers for Philip. And Philip's saying, no, 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 it wasn't me, folks. Look, all I did was aspire to it. All I did was say yes. And all I did was just grow with what I saw was in the Bible. And I just began to read it. And then I just took the, took the opportunity. I, the, God said, are you ready? Are you ready to move? Are you ready to be used by my hand? I just said, yes. That's all I did. Any one of us could have done it at any given time. And then finally, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you daily. Folks, you know, we leak. You ever notice that? You leak. Get all filled up, man. You have a great awakened night. You have a great worship time. You're feeling... All, you know, you're feeling excited and filled up and encouraged. You walk out the door, and it's like drip, drip, drip. It goes out. Then you run into someone that's a real challenge in your life, and, man, you watch that old dog go, mm, used up a whole lot of Holy Spirit on them. Right? Rats. We leak. And so... This idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit just once, I'm good, uh, not true. It's not even biblical. You find the Christians there kept on getting filled with the Holy Spirit all the way throughout the book of Acts. Truth is, we need to get filled every single day. Truth is, we need to wake up every morning and just say, Holy Spirit, I need you to fill me. I need to be filled with hope. I need to be filled with joy. I need the fruit of the Spirit exuding out of my being. I want to hear your voice. Would you speak to me? I'm dealing with this. Can you give me encouragement? That's why now I'm past that. Now I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready to go to be used by your hand to be a supernatural connection for someone, somewhere. So I'm telling you, this is it. We don't have to search any farther. God brought me right to this scripture. Man, I love it. Luke eleven 13, I'll finish with this verse. If you then, though you are evil, well, thanks, Luke, but even though you are evil, and well, we, we need Jesus, don't we? And you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Actually, these are red letters. This, this is Jesus speaking. He says, look, if you hunger for the Holy Spirit, if you hunger for spiritual moments, he said, man, even, even wicked people have, have a desire to feed their own children. How much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask? You want to be spiritual? You want to be close to God? Then just ask the Holy Spirit to come. Fill you up. Aspire, grow, read. Seize the moment and keep asking the Holy Spirit to fill you. Amen?